I'm sharing with you this morning about love and spiritual growth. Would you say that with me? Love and spiritual growth. And so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture in the book of 1 John. Can you turn to 1 John so long? And uh, in a moment's time, we'll look at chapter two, verse seven to 17. And as we look at this passage of scripture, it's about 10 verses. Let's really allow God to speak to us through this. I haven't come here to play church this morning. Uh, I have come here to be with the people of God and I've come to preach the word of God because God has called me to preach his word and I pray that your ears would be open and receptive and I do believe that you will be somewhat challenged in what is shared today. The scripture reads as follows. 1 John 2 verse 7 to 17 and John is writing here. He says, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment. is jumping between old and new here. A new commandment I write to you, which is true in him that is in Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing away. Oh, isn't that lovely? The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother. See those three words, say them with me. Loves his brother. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, John begins to write to certain categories of people. He says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, Little children, now it's back to little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Isn't that a challenging phrase? Do not love the world, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, which includes the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But, he who does the will of God abides forever. Praise the Lord for his word. This word is meant to be speaking to you today. 
May he who have ear, has ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, please keep your Bible open through our time of sharing this morning, because I'm going to refer, refer back to several places during our time of sharing. Now, as you look at a passage of Scripture like this, there's a lot being said there. I believe that we can narrow it down to three things that are being said there. Number one, and very importantly, walk in love consistently and love like Jesus loved. Let me say that again. Let it sink in a little bit deeper. Walk in love consistently and love like Jesus loved. That's what these first few verses are saying in essence. And so as Christians, we are called to display an example of love consistently and without compromise, and we're called to follow in Jesus' example of love. In the first few verses of the passage that we just read, the focus is on loving one another. And we are encouraged as children of God to be a people of love. It's how we should be. We are people that should shine the love of God in our lives. It is a high calling and it is a high privilege to do this. But we are the only people on the face of the earth that have this calling to walk in the love of God. And you see, because you and I, we are God's children, and God is love, therefore we should represent our Father well. Therefore we should realize that this is incumbent upon us that we should have love and demonstrate love, the love of God in our life. And let me say this, I believe that love should be a defining mark of the Christian community. It should be a defining mark. It should stand out and set us apart from everybody else on the face of the earth, that every church grouping um, that rightly calls on the name of the Lord, the love of God should be in their midst and it should be what sets them apart. Let me tell you, at times, as we've had people come and visit Choose Life Church, over the years, many times, over and over and over again, I've had people come talk to me after the service and they say the following, they say, we really just sense the love of God here and we feel so at home here. And to me, that is so wonderful. We give the Lord all the honor and the glory for that. But I wanna say to you that that is actually the way it should be because if we don't have the love of God in our midst, then we have nothing. The Bible says you can do all these amazing things, but if you have not love, you are making a racket in the world. <laughs> and so this defining mark of love should be present, but not only in the corporate gatherings, in your life, because you are called by his name, people should be able to say that they see something different in you as a child of God, and they sense that you operate in the love of God. When they come to you with a problem, you don't judge them, you don't condemn them, you just wanna help them. You wanna give them advice and pray for them. When they come to you in a specific need that they're facing, you moved in your heart with compassion. You wanna help, you wanna do something. And so this should be the defining mark. Now listen to the scripture which backs it up. It says, by this, this is John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have, what's that next word? Love one for another. It is the defining mark. Now, 
In verse seven and eight on our, of our text, it can seem almost contradictory because it talks about an old commandment, new commandment, old commandment, new commandment. And so if you initially read that, you might be a little confused because verse seven says, love one another is an old commandment. And then the very next verse, verse eight says that it is a new commandment. So which is it? Is it old or is it new? Well, the commandment to love one another is actually, believe it or not, it is actually both old and it is new. Allow me to explain this to you. Because it's old, because we find it in the Old Testament, in the law. And it says, I'll read it to you, Leviticus 19 verse 18 in the NIV version. Can I have a fraction more volume on my mic? Leviticus 19 verse 18 says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but, here's the word, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is it, it is an old commandment. Way back in Leviticus, it was stated. But it is also a new commandment, why? Because Jesus interpreted it in a radically new way when he was on earth and he modeled the love of the Father in our midst as he walked the planet. He modeled it in this incredible new way. And so this is why it is a new commandment. And Jesus says in John 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment. Here Jesus is confirming it's new. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now that's all just the same. But it goes on and says, as I have loved you. And that's where it changes to a new commandment. As I have loved you, that you love one another. This is so important, folks. So out of the old commandment, yes, it is still relevant that we need to love one another. But Jesus now has interpreted in a radical new way. And he says to his disciples, and you are one of his disciples, he says, now you need to love as I demonstrated it when I walked on the earth, as I loved you. That's how your love needs to be. And that's why it is altogether different now because now we love him with the example of Jesus in mind. Come on, can anybody agree with me and get excited about that? It's as I have loved you. And so now we are, everything has changed because we're instructed to love as Jesus loved. You know what? I can hear Jesus saying to his disciples, it's a new commandment, as I have loved you. And he says, let me give you an example. Disciples, do you remember when I was with the leper? The leper came. Nobody else wanted to go near or touch him or anything like this. You guys were freaking out. You're scared you're gonna get leprosy or something. But as I loved, you need to love. What did I do? I stepped down. I touched that man, even though nobody wanted to touch him. I touched him. I loved him. And you know what? As I looked into that man, I saw the image of my father because he's made in the image of God, even though he looked so terrible. And I loved that man, even though he was so sick. Maybe Jesus gave another example to his disciples. He said, remember that woman that was caught in adultery and all the religious people under the old covenant now wanted that lady to be stoned because she'd been caught in adultery in the very act. 
And then Jesus began to do this little prophetic action of writing in the soil, and there's something said to, to be said about that. I don't want to go into that now. But Jesus, one by one, he saw the accusers leave. And finally, it was just this woman who'd been caught in adultery. And what did Jesus say? He said, I, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And so he's saying, now disciples, now you begin to love like I love. You know what? Too often it is said of the church that the church is so judgmental and condemnatory. I wanna tell you, the world is not gonna be saved in increasing numbers if we are not reflecting Jesus in the new commandment as he loved. But as we will endeavor to people who have done the most terrible things, who have murdered others, who have uh, done all sorts of crazy things and messed up their lives, if we will love them unconditionally, I wanna tell you there'll be a major change. And so Jesus is saying you need to love as I have loved you. Jesus also maybe said to his disciples, do you remember how I washed your feet? And that blew your minds because you thought it's only the lowest servants that should do this. And Jesus says now, there's the example that you should love as I have loved you. And so I wanna say that we need to walk in love consistently and love like Jesus loved. And so we don't have the right to walk in love as and when it suits us. But God says, you're my child. Come on, child of God, represent the Father. Come on, child of God, don't be so judgmental. Don't be condemnatory. Would you love as I have loved you? Listen to this statement. It says, love should be the unifying force and the identifying mark of Christian community. And so that's point number one. Walk in love consistently and love like Jesus loved the new way. On to point number two. There are stages of spiritual growth keep growing. Would you please say that with me? Here we go. There are stages of spiritual growth keep growing. And this is where you might get a little challenge today. Because sometimes we think, well, we just surrender our life to Jesus. We come to the cross and we've arrived. No, no, no. That's not the case. That's the beginning of your journey. There are progressive stages of spiritual growth and maturity, and we need to keep on growing. The Christian life is not about being static. It's not about being comfortable in your little place, but it's about continually moving on in the things of God. Now, let's go back to our passage. I hope your Bible's still open. 1 John 2 Verse 12 to 14, let's look at these categories quickly. It says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, it's quite interesting. Little children, young men, fathers. 
three stages of spiritual maturity. Little children, young men, fathers. Now, in terms of as we look at this just a little bit more closely, I want to say to you that these stages have nothing to do with age. Let me say that again. It has nothing to do with age, but it has everything to do with spiritually how mature you are, whether you're young or old. You can be at different, ones, uh, different one of these stages. And just to go through these stages quickly, stage number one is little children. Please say little children. Say it a bit louder. So in this stage, there is awareness of forgiveness, according to the passage. There's awareness of forgiveness, and there's coming into the Father's love. And it's so beautiful as a person, for the first time, surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and prays that prayer and says, Lord, forgive me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You know what begins to happen? They begin to become a little child in God, spiritually speaking, and all of a sudden they become aware that my sins are forgiven. Even though I've done a whole bunch of things which is really not good. I've messed around with drugs. I've slept with people and I shouldn't have done that. They begin to realize that because they've confessed it, now they are forgiven. It is so beautiful, and they come into knowing the love of the Father. And there's a scripture that confirms this, Romans 8, verse 15 to 16. But you receive the spirit of adoption, little children, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so here is this first phase, little children. Then the next phase, number two, stage two, is young men. Please say young men nice and loud. So, this is an exciting stage. Those that are young men, spiritually speaking, are those that are walking in victory. They've learned to begin to fight against the enemy. They've learned that when the enemy comes to discourage them with uh, anxiety and discouragement and things like that and dirty thoughts, they begin to stand against the enemy. And they've learned to begin to stand strong. In terms of young men, they are strong in the Lord and also they are built up, this passage says, in the Word of God. And I wanna say to you loud and clear, the reason, one of the main reasons that the young men have strength to stand against the enemy is because they are built up in the Word of God. And the Scripture says, let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Why? Because it makes you strong. Let me tell you, you show me a Christian who has very little of the Word of God in them, and I'll show you a weak Christian. You show me a Christian who has a lot of the Word of God, and I will show you a strong Christian. Won't you say this after me? God's Word in me produces spiritual strength. Amen? And so here, this young men's stage, there's strength. They're fighting the enemy, they're strong, they're built up in God's word. Now, the third stage is this, fathers. Please say the word fathers. And in this stage, there comes to be deep knowledge of God and of his ways. Isn't that lovely? 
There's growing in maturity and now there's this father stage that people come into. Any child of God can get into this father stage or a, or a mother stage, if I can put it that way. And there's deep knowledge. You begin to know God in a deep way. You know how it works, how he works, shall I say. And sometimes when God is working in certain situations, it actually doesn't surprise you so much any longer because you know that's how he works. It's in keeping and in accordance with his character. And listen to the scripture, Jeremiah 9 verse 24, it says, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. That sounds like the Father's. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing life, who brings justice and righteousness on the earth, and in these things I delight. And so it is so wonderful. But the thing is, you do not just want to stay at being a spiritual child. You want to press on and become a young person in God, spiritually speaking. You want to press on and become a father in God. And you know, there's a place in Scripture where Paul was saying, I'm concerned because not enough of you are pressing on into this stage of being fathers. And he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Paul said, For though you might have 10,000 instructors or teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. And I believe that one of the problems in the church of Jesus Christ today around the world is there's not enough fathers. And I wanna tell you, you can be a father. This doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor in full-time ministry. You can be a person that is involved in business, but spiritually, you're a father. And so Paul was saying there's not enough fathers. And I believe that more and more of us should be making our way in these progressive stages to becoming spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, spiritual dads and moms in the kingdom of God. And you know what? I think of the Apostle Paul. Wasn't he such an example of being a father? Because, you know what? When you start to be in that stage of spiritual maturity of fathering, it is no longer about yourself. It is about helping others and fostering maturity in them and helping them grow in the ways of the Lord. And you suddenly begin to have a heart to see others grow like never before. That's why Paul, the apostle, he would pray. What would Paul do? He would say, God, I pray for the Philippians that they may grow in you. He would pray for the Colossians. He would pray for the Galatians. He would pray for those at Thessalonica. Why? Because when you're a father from a spiritual maturity point of view, you cannot live selfishly. You wanna see others grow. You wanna see the younger generation raised and released. Come on, can I get an amen? amen? Now, let me ask you this. Each stage of the spiritual journey builds on the next one. And I want to ask you this. Where do you see yourself in these stages? Do you see yourself as a little child? Do you see yourself as a young man, young person? Do you see yourself as a spiritual father or mother? Well, whatever place you are in, I realize that there's journeys. And if you are at, at an early stage, don't be discouraged. 
But let me just say this, keep on growing in your spiritual maturity because realize that it is God's plan for every one of you to become spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and that you begin to help people around about you, amen? It's not reserved for a few select people. No, every child of God can become a father. And I also just wanna reiterate that this aspect um, and just say, well, do you realize that your uh, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age? Because you can be mature in age and be very spiritually immature. Conversely, you can be very young in age. Maybe you're in your early 20s and you're already operating like a spiritual father. Now, some of you are battling to receive that. Let me challenge you with this. Listen to this. Timothy, at the age of 17, it is estimated that he was already pastoring four to five churches. He's 17 years old, for goodness sake, but he's grown up quickly. He's been mentored and discipled and he's grown up and now he wants to help younger believers. Yes, those younger churches that he was pastoring were probably only churches of 10 or 15 people. So he was leading four or five home sales or life groups or whatever. But look at him at the age of 17, what was he doing? He was already acting like a father. He was already discipling others under him. And that is why the apostle Paul said to him, he said, young Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but be an example to all of them. And I wanna say to you today, you might be the age of Timothy. You might be 17 years of age. Don't think that one day when you're 55, then you're gonna serve the Lord properly. No, it starts now. It starts now. You need to serve the Lord flat out now. And so I believe that God is encouraging us today to grow spiritually. Now, let me move on to the last point. Don't let the world entice you Rather be drawn to the Father's love. Now, let me just recap the two points before that, just so that we see it all in context. Number one, walk in love consistently and love like Jesus loved. Number two, there are, spiritual, there are stages of spiritual growth. Keep growing. And number three, don't let the world entice you Rather be drawn to the Father's love. Now, I believe that we shouldn't be caught up by the enticement and the luring of the world, but rather we should fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with the Father in an ever-deepening way. And so many of you know exactly what I'm speaking about. You are falling in love with Jesus in an ever-deepening way. But let me tell you, sometimes the pull of this world, the attractiveness of this world can be very strong, trying to grab a hold of your heart. And the Bible says the world is passing away, and sometimes you look at the world, it looks so like there to stay. It looks so entrenched. But I wanna tell you the word of God is far more relevant. And when God says that this world is passing away, it is passing away, it will. And only those who do the will of the Father will live forever. Now, one last time, just look at your Bible. Verse 15, 16, and 17. 
But look at the first part of verse 15. Listen to this. Let this challenge you. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Oh, shucks. <laughs> this is a problem. Uh, did God really mean to put this in the word? Listen to what he says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. This is actually very challenging because the pull of the world is strong. The world is fighting for your affection. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away. You know what? That is good news, everybody. This broken world will ultimately pass away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and what God has said is true. He's coming to fetch you for a place that he has prepared for you. And it says the world is passing away and the lust of it and he who does the will, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so we sit with this wrestle between the lure of worldly possessions and love for the world and the love of the Father. And some of you might say to me today, but God, might say to God today, but God, I love my worldly possessions. <laughs> now everybody's getting very quiet in this church today because you're thinking of somebody else. You might say, God, I love my worldly possessions. God, I just love my motorbike. I love to take five hours on a Saturday and just polish up my motorbike. You don't understand, God, I love my motorbike. Or God, I love my Nespresso machine. <laughs> Nespresso, what else? By the way, <clears throat> Nespresso machines, those are okay. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Or you might say, I love my antiques, Lord. Ah, oh, or my Persian rugs. Oh, I love them so much. And I got this one from my great-grandfather and so on. Or I love my artwork. My art, oh, I love, I love the world. Oh, no, 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 the world. I love my artworks. Come on, let's be real for a moment. There are things, physical possessions that we are very attached to. I love my diamond ring. I, I just love it. But you know what? Let me just also just say this. I am not saying that you cannot have these things. I believe that God actually wants to bless you with these things. And there is nothing wrong with enjoying and owning things like this. But here it is. They should not own you. God should own your heart to such an extent that you are so in love with God and you're so seeking him first, and then he adds all these things that you need and that you enjoy, and he gives you some special surprises, and you are so blessed because you are putting God in first place. And so I wanna say to you that things should not own us. The world should not own us, but I wanna tell you, I want to be sold out to God. Is there anyone here under the sound of my voice? You say, I also wanna be sold out to God, that he is my gold, he is my precious silver, he is the one that I love. And so I wanna say this to you, that worldliness is not just about external behavior, but it all starts in the heart. 
Because may I remind you, the prince of this world is trying to steal your heart. He's trying to captivate your affection and your attention. And how do you combat that? You combat that with the love of the Father. You know what? The more you love the Father, the more the world gets squeezed out and doesn't have place in your heart and life. And so the solution to not being mesmerized by the world and the fleshiness of the world and so on is you love God more. And then all the priorities come into place. And so the big idea is the solution to loving the world, not loving the world, shall I say, is to have a greater love for Father. I wanna encourage you, child of God, keep Father in first place. Love Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And you know what? Other things fall into place. Has anybody received the word of the Lord here this morning? Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Would you stand as we pray together? Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Lord, as we've been reading and listening to your word, we realize your word protects us from getting into wrong things. Your word keeps us safe, Lord. And we just wanna declare, Heavenly Father, as we pray right now, that we want to keep growing in our walk with you. We want to keep growing in our love for you, that we would go on from being little children to young men, to fathers. And we wanna love like you love, Heavenly Father. We also declare as we stand before you that we choose not to love the world, but we wanna love you, Father, with everything that is within us. So captivate our hearts, Lord Jesus. Captivate our hearts, Holy Spirit. Captivate our hearts, Heavenly Father, and make us more like Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful Sunday. There is tea and coffee in the foyer. And uh, we thank you for being with us. God bless.